Hello. Thank you for tuning in, for listening, for finding this podcast and uh, taking the time out today. Today, um, I suppose it's a bit thoughtful and um, if I was going to pop a trigger warning on this, we're talking about pet loss today. But to begin at the beginning... I've always maintained that being an adult third culture kid is not so much a way of life as it is a filter through which our perceptions of ourselves and the world is mediated. Understanding the ways in which this filter impacts my experiences is key to compassionately understanding my behaviours and feelings. They all make sense given my story. So, here I am, trying to consciously understand the way in which my TCK story could be mediating this week's experiences. The week started off joyously enough, with family time, walks and galette des rois to close out my festive season. Galette des rois is... um, a wonderful epiphany or 6th of January tradition um, in France where you have this gorgeous puff pastry creation um, with a kind of frangipani almond sweet filling in which is hidden um, a little, well more often now, a little ceramic um, figure. Um, Often a wise king representative, um, or it could be anything really. Um, And uh, whoever gets the slice with the figure is king for the day. (laughs) It's an excuse to break out the party crowns. And for me, it's an opportunity to include a tradition from a culture that is very present in my story. So there was a lot of joy and fun, and then my cat started gasping for air. A long night passed with tears and shock, and our furry best friend passed away in the care of very kind vets. We didn't see it coming, and the house afterwards seemed so empty. Grief slid alongside me like a familiar presence that I know all too well. Something many of you have expressed to me is how one grief in the present can seem to act as a tripwire to griefs in your past, triggering an avalanche of pain and chest-clutching agonies. I hear you. Pollock and Van Raken have written about the oft-present experience of unresolved grief for TCKs and how important it is to make space for grief in time and space, as I'd put it. To grieve in time and space for me means that you allow your external expression in the moment to mirror your internal experience in the now. Unresolved grief happens when we don't have space in the now to recognise what is happening, that we are losing something precious. 
it's unresolved because it's not fully experienced. It's packed away, subsumed by something bigger, the next thing, the new transition. And it doesn't get space to be fully felt. This often happens for TCKs because each loss we experience through childhood is often accompanied by a gain or the promise of a gain. We leave one country encouraged to focus on the excitement of the next. We leave a place on the promise of magic and fun in the new place. Loss is so tinged with gain that it gets swallowed up, put away and goes ungrieved. Somehow it is rare that we find space to grieve the old at the same time as allowing delight in the new. This both and approach to life is one we often find hard, leaning more often towards a more black and white all or nothing approach to feelings. This time, in this grief, I said to myself, I want to do it right. I took time off and many, many thanks to those of you who suffered cancellations so graciously to be with my daughter so that we could walk, talk, cuddle and process feelings together. I looked at memorial options, photographs and cried a lot. Applying my third culture kid filter to this, I can see a few elements of my story echoing forward. Pet loss is a universal phenomenon, though it's culturally mediated and interpreted. My family culture and my primary host country culture didn't centre pets in the emotional life. We didn't have pets growing up because of the high mobility and because, frankly, their value was not part of our narrative. I remember getting a guinea pig as an adult felt like some kind of high rebellion to purposefully bind myself to the lifespan of five to seven years of another creature felt reckless, terrifying. It was the closest I'd ever gotten to a five-year plan. Adopting an adult cat felt like an extra step into risk. They can live 20 years. Doing the calculations, given that our new cat was already seven, I was committing to some kind of 13-year plan it didn't bear thinking about. But some part of my brain at the time was noticing that making these kinds of commitments was not deemed madness out there in the non-TCK world. Nevertheless, this kind of commitment was going to push up against my need to be chronically self-sufficient. Specifically, I was going to need backup and other people to help cover care during holidays. And this was the greater piece of the challenge for me. This too is massively filtered by my TCK story. Self-sufficiency is a survival strategy for many of us and a hard habit to break. In fact, if I'm honest... It's a habit I don't really want to break, except in the sense that I want to take vitamins, because I know it's good for me. If I wanted access to experiences that involved longer term commitment, I was going to need to lean into learning how to assume terrifying 
that people might just be there to help me through if I had a need I couldn't meet myself. So this cat, this beautiful cat that had been with us for five years, she taught me that. She taught me I wasn't on my own. Not simply because she was always physically present, but because she taught me that acknowledging that longer term commitments necessitate accepting unknowns and reaching for help in those moments. That that's normal. That that's okay. That it's okay to start to walk along a path where we can't see every bend in the road and we can't see the end point. I also never anticipated how connecting having a pet would be. Connecting not only to that creature but also to my fellow humans. Something I learnt young was that I was different, alien from those around me. And I hear this echoed in my fellow TCKs. We can feel so marginalised and so othered by those with whom we don't share this history of mobility and intercultural living. For me, shared interests have been a way through this. And I'm not talking about those loftier interests of social justice and global politics, though there are also communities to be found in these, of course. In terms of connecting to locals, however, I have found more personal everyday interests so important things that arguably have less moral value crochet walking gardening baking but pets get to the heart of the british in a very special way and getting our cat was a part of this step into belonging now i understood this British heart a bit more deeply. I could empathise with people around me with shared experiences of cat behaviour, quirks and the transition into being a fur baby mother was such a gift and our cat did that for me. She also pushed up against my fear of being needed. This is tied to my TCK story of self-sufficiency too It's often said that we fear in others that which we fear in ourselves. Part of my willingness to adopt our cat was tied to my rather erroneous belief that they were self-sufficient. I believed the stories of cat disdain and that they were emotionally avoidant. Perfect, I thought. I'll feed it and take care of it and we shall coexist peaceably. Well, first off, peaceably was rocky as it took time to adjust to a new home and new dynamics, vying for top dog position with my daughter. But while peace was eventually won, coexisting was not what this cat had in mind. This cat needed love and care. She needed quality time and attention, stimulation and comforting reassurances. She needed presence, as she'd demonstrate daily by stalking my office door, waiting for me to emerge from work. She never did figure out how to use the cat flap I'd installed in the door. This cat needed me, knew how to ask for what she needed, and at times that felt almost overwhelming. Being needed feels like a commitment that I can find frightening. 
It's also born of my assumption that everyone will get on just fine without me. And this too is linked strongly to my TCK story. How many of us leave a country and realise everyone is moving on without us? And learn from this that we are dispensable. Part of why I struggle to take proper leave of the host and guests at any gathering now is because to do so would imply that my leaving matters, is noteworthy, that my presence matters. To do so would be the height of delusion, surely, and also leave me with the burden of taking into account the impact of my presence on others. What a weight. To many of us, detached becomes a protective stance and one that this beautiful cat threatened for me. She was so attached to me. Paradoxically, I had made that so. I had worked hard to bond with her, but I think my mind told me that this was for her sake, that she would feel at ease and at home, not taking into account the longer-term implications of that bonding. I had not taken into account the impact on me of having a little shadow follow me lovingly for five years, hoping always that I would sit down and have an empty lap for her to rest in. The day I lost my cat... Grief came knocking. But this time, this time I realise I have the time and space to grieve. Only this, only her. The avalanche has subsided. And she can be the cause of every tear that falls. A few days passed and my daughter and I talked about the future. I could feel the pull of dog ownership along with the awareness that while I'm busy at work I don't have the time for walks and plays that these animals need. But I could also feel that familiar pull towards the new, a new identity was calling. Another cat felt like repeating identity, a glitchy continuation I wasn't sure how to do. New cat but similar experience of cat owner? (sighs) What? But my daughter's heart was reaching for a feline companion. And I could see that caring for a cat had enhanced her life, even while I was still slightly in denial for myself. In fact, what I'd noticed myself doing, even while collapsing into tears regularly, was highlighting to myself how incredibly convenient, in fact, it was that we no longer had a cat. No hair everywhere, no fearing for my life in ambushes at the top of the stairs, no stinky food. I could even leave phone wires lying around without fearing they'd end up chewed. This too, as well as being jarring, was familiar. Looking for the positives, the silver lining. Pure grief and loss was appropriate. And yet part of my brain was busy trying to drag my attention to the good side of losing a loved pet. Hmm? This is an old habit, surely. And yes... This is something a lot of us experience in childhood, a determined focus on the positives in a transition. The good side of a loss. It's good we fell out with that friend, they were annoying anyway. It's good we're leaving, we'll have better opportunities elsewhere. My brain was trying to protect itself from pain, despite it being a completely okay to just be sad. 
like I said, pet loss is a valid grief in my present day context. Country loss, however, was less so growing up, invalidated through sheer lack of understanding. Many TCKs learned to find the good side in loss as a way of coping, and my brain was doing that now. So, seeing this and seeing my daughter's need for a cat, we set out to adopt another. And it's been the most wonderful deep dive into both and thinking. I miss my old cat. The grief brings me to tears still now. And I'm so grateful for a second feline friend to get to know. The process of getting a new cat has seriously challenged my idea of replaceability too. I was worried I was doing grief wrong somehow by getting a second cat so soon that I was rushing it or invalidating the loss. Turns out I couldn't have replaced her if I'd tried. She and my new cat are such different personalities it's almost laughable. Where she was delicate, he's a lump. (laughs) Where she was skittish, he's chilled. Where she was vocal, he simply chirrups. I feel joy at this new relationship at the same time as I'm grieving the loss of the old. Both and. My first cat taught me to commit long term, risk interdependence, make space for connections through shared interests, personal ones, and how to cope with being needed. My second cat so far, and I've not had him long, is teaching me that loving the new is not replacing the old. And the crushing realisation hits me. Maybe I'm not replaceable either. Maybe we all leave fingerprints wherever we go. Is this terrifying or relieving? Either way, I believe it's true. Thank you for listening.